Talofalava. You're listening to a core education Tatai Ahoro podcast. Fakatalofa tokuingo ko matlena fata ape toiloma au se tino mai nutaltiwalu ma ifasavai mamu upolu. I am one of the facilitators at Core Education and I it's a privilege to interview you Sioni today. So thank you for taking the time to meet and talk about your experiences as a secondary teacher of Pacifica and Māori descent, the changes that you see with the Aotearoa New Zealand Histories curriculum and the impact that you are making in your school and across your kahoiako as a lead. So thank you for your time. My name is Sione Arelli. I work at Christchurch Adventist School. I mainly teach history and social studies, uh, head of department of social sciences, doing mahi throughout the whole school, area school model, in terms of the New Zealand histories rollout and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, I teach Māori at year nine and 10 as well. How did I get into teaching? I've done a lot of different stuff, but I kind of went full circle. So I was working at Phillipstown Community Centre and I was doing different programs there, working on different programs. Eventually, I went over to Phillipstown, probably like a TA role, coaching rugby at Phillipstown Primary at the time. I kind of got like approached Sylvia Fido, and she was at Shirley Primary at the time. She was looking for a TA specifically to work with kids, uh, some of these kids that had quite challenging behaviours, bit of a behaviour management role, I guess. So I went and did that, and then I thought, well, I don't know how, what I really wanted from life or a career or whatever, so then I ended up joining the Air Force. I kind of discovered that I could, I guess, do tertiary level education when I was in the Air Force, handwriting essays in the field and whatever. Eventually, I ended up wanting to go and do primary. So I did a year primary training and I didn't really like it too much. So I went back, finished my degree, mainly history and Māori and Indigenous studies. I was working at Burnside High pretty much full-time around about 30, 35 hours or something while I was studying. When I was there, I had Pacifica students, so almost like a, a liaison role. Went over and worked with the Learning Support Centre with some of the Pacifica kids there as well. Eventually, I finished up, applied for a master's programme, finished master's, worked at Hillmorden, and then came to Christchurch Adventist That's my story. What was your experience as a student going through school, learning about history and social sciences? I think it should have been a better experience than what I actually experienced. Most of my education in terms of history and, and probably you know anything to do with social sciences definitely came from my family. Actually, it's a funny thing. I was talking to somebody today about like thinking about if I had have not learned about the Arab oil crisis or whatever in year 11 and maybe was able to do some sort of fuck a pop project or learn about the dawn raids or something mm, like that, yeah. I, I might have done things a lot quicker than I actually have. And mm. like, I don't think that getting experience and, and taking time to get to this position is a bad thing or whatever, but that was my actual experience was when I was at, especially at high school, I think primary was a bit better for me because it wasn't so prescriptive, I guess. So when you do topic or whatever, there's still a bit more of an element of choosing yeah, high school was definitely not like that. And so, to be honest, I didn't do very well at school. I had other issues going on and stuff anyway, so I, I'm not too sure if, I, if my needs were really catered for, if that makes sense. Yep, that does. So just thinking about your experience at high school, you mentioned that your needs weren't catered to. So was that because there was a lack of Pacifica teachers or a lack of teachers who understood 
Pacifica content or did you think that the school overall, the school system, just wasn't catering for Pacifica students when you were in high school? Definitely all of all of the above. High school, I moved over to Okataka with my mum. She's a school teacher as well, so eventually she started the bilingual unit at the primary school there, but high school was like way different, eh? There was not very many brown faces in either the student kind of body or within the teaching staff. In terms of knowledge and, and stuff like that, that I guess um, the professionals had as well. It's that same old kind of cliche stuff. It's like a very Western kind of way. I was like super naughty as well, got ADHD, bits and pieces like that. So I'm not obviously the, the easiest kid to probably educate anyway. But, you know, when something is interesting, so I'll tell you the story. My favourite class ended up being fashion class, right? So awesome. I spent a lot of time in the textiles room with this one teacher and that's because she cared you know so a lot of my other academic kind of classes like fell by the wayside because i just wanted to be in this class with this one teacher that actually cared about who i was as a person so i had young designer awards and stuff like that and and actually did quite well in mm-hmm. in the cultural divisions or whatever but i could express myself there and this and this lady she you know, had my back i guess like i said History is probably the thing that has most fascinated me in my whole life. But, you know, the history I got was way different than the history that I got in school because, you know, my mum's telling me stories, my great-grandmother's telling me stories, and, mm. you know, on, on that side. And then on the other side, like, you know, my dad telling me stories, especially about, like, him and his experience, like, literally in New Zealand as well when he when he first came, you know. And, mm. and these things are, like, like super contradicting to what I was being taught in class, you know, so I did seven form the second time. I did it at Hackley High School. Loved it. Thrived there, eh? So what's your experience now as a history teacher and teaching in the social sciences curriculum? Maybe I am probably a bit of a rebel anyway, so I avoid as much as possible some of the kind of traditional topics or content that they have taught in the past. So, like, I am always, like, New Zealand sounds like a political party, but it's all about Aotearoa first anyway, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I like to do kind of like a model, and it doesn't matter what kind of subject that we're learning about or whatever, but like local content and then kind of like national and then move out global. Mm-hmm. And like when I say global as well, like, you know, while still being able to show that we are connected globally as well. So is it fair to say you work with a culturally responsive framework in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I don't like those um, kind of throwaway lines or whatever, how, you know, we, we're too young to have history or we don't have history or, you know, we, we can't have experience enough kind of turmoil in, in, in our political systems or whatever to be able to learn and comment on these sorts of things when actually, <laughs> to me, that's like a lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so do you think from experience, your colleagues in your department, they can learn from you and your way of teaching? Yeah, I have taken a few professional development sessions on both bicultural kind of practice and inclusive and stuff like that. Yes and no, it's a, I guess it's just like learning everything. Like, mm. um, If you're willing to learn, you'll learn, you know. Definitely try, definitely talk to teachers and try and implement different things. Like we have this obviously special character school, so we have like special character connections in our unit plans, mm. but we've also had added you know, like bicultural bi- links, you know. Yeah. And that could be just as simple as a, a, a bucket that runs across your whole unit, if you know what I mean, or language. And, like, 
people can do that in any any area of the school the same way as they can do the special character links, you know? Yeah. So what are the positives and challenges you see with the new Aotearoa New Zealand Histories curriculum? One of the biggest positives for me is it's actually my history in it. Yeah. And the biggest challenge is, is it's like there's a lot of fear and my concern is that um, some people aren't going to kind of do it justice, if you know what I mean. Mm. Whereas I'm like so passionate about this stuff that I almost live and breathe it, you know. Positives, I think it's about time that we put ourselves first and a formal acknowledgement that we do have a whole heap of history and it's not necessarily the history that you're comfortable with. Mm. <laughs> but then challenges are confronting some of those thoughts and beliefs that you've held or maintained your whole life is going to be scary, right? Yeah. And so once again, I go back to that open to learn, open to be confronted with some of those not very nice things is going to just enrich the whole the program and create a bit more I really like using the word equity, but you know what I mean? Like mm. between all the stakeholders, especially for those kids or the generations of kids that have it literally lost kind of almost like genetic experience mm. of where they're from and what actually happened. But teachers have to be open to confronting themselves, I guess, as well. Mm. So I don't want it just to become like a, a full-on kind of like number eight wired Kiwiana type thing. I've never had any problems teaching kids about musket wars, New Zealand wars, legislation, legislative kind of conquest, colonisation and, and bits and pieces like that. You know, experiences of Māori coming back from World War Two, and I, I was a kōhanga kid, but the struggles that people went through for kōhanga to actually even be acknowledged as a thing, you know. I heard you speak about genetic experience was it yeah Yeah. so are you talking about and i and i understand that around the intergenerational impact as well that it's had on some generations would it be fair to say that maybe media hasn't has an impact on that as well because you know where they are saturating the news and stuff with certain things and then if you're not going to see pacifica faces or maori faces in a positive light that impacts certain ways definitely a bit like that. I'm a rugby league fan. I'm not a Rabbitohs fan, but I read about Latrell Mitchell and, you know, punching over Jack Whiten or whatever's yeah, happening. Right. But a couple of weeks ago, I just read about him helping out on the farm and training with these kids and stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, unless you go looking for that news, right, mm. you, you open Google right now, was it, it will just, the headline will be um, Latrell Mitchell arrested, you know. So was your dad, did he come straight to Auckland or to Christchurch? Straight to Christchurch. His brother had already come a year or two before him, so he was quite already quite well established. My older cousin was born in Samoa, but then the younger one was born in New Zealand, and she's you know maybe one or two years older than me. So oh, yeah, were they? He wasn't impacted by the dawn raids or anything like that, was he? I think everybody kind of was. Like I don't mm. think my dad got specifically targeted or stopped. You know, this stuff is and, and obviously to go along with this is like you know, national policy and stuff like that, that's saying that it's okay to do this stuff, right? Mm. So my dad tells a story about my uncle when he first, this is the uncle that, you know, came first, well, he got knocked off his bike (laughs) by a car, bike into work, right? And, like, nobody stopped, whole day. Wow. Yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of stuff happening in the world at that time as well, you know, like the big deal that 
New Zealanders just in general made of like Bob Marley coming coming here because of even though there's like that culture of reggae culture and whatever, but it's more than that. What he represented for minority people across mm. the whole globe. Mm-hmm. What the lyrics actually speaking to these people, mm. you know? So if there's one thing you could change about the or include in the Aotearoa New Zealand history's curriculum, what would it be and why? Sharing more stories. I know people speak about this stuff all the time, right? But when we talk about evolving whole heap more kind of stakeholders, you know, whether it's parents or whatever, like I know like people talking about, well, whose story is it to tell and so on and so forth, but actually addressing that stuff, right? I think this this thing might be quite uncomfortable in, in lots of different ways. Like I, I know I was saying, you know, scary for teachers that have, don't know any better than this issue that was taught or whatever. Similarly, as scary for people who might be challenged to actually say their story, you know, making safe spaces where this happens, happens kind of naturally reaching out as well, like schools actually making efforts to find out what kind of content, actually, you know, not only curriculum wise, but content in terms of diverse makeups of school and what communities actually want to know, want to hear, and maybe too, still too raw, if you know what I mean? You just want to be able to create a safe space for Talanoa to happen and just Oh, yeah, on a journey together. Encouraging, supporting local narrative is like super important as well. But mm. I also feel for people that aren't necessarily part of that narrative as well, if you, yeah. if you know what I mean. So I guess a, a good example is down here. And obviously we have an obligation to learn and, and teach and do justice to my tahu histories, cultures, tikanga narrative, whatever. But at the same time, lifting or empowering kids that are from, you know, Ngati Puro, for example, yeah. and might not even know that, but to find that out. And how do we balance those things as well? There are sorts of kids, you know, like there's no such thing as Māori until there's such a thing as Pākehā, right? Um, but it's the same with like, you know, migrant families from anywhere, whether they're, like, you know, third, fourth generation Samoans, Vietnamese or who they might be that have come in at, at certain times for really powerful and kind of legitimate reasons, right? Incorporating or having their stories are important as well. No, that's histories, narratives, culture, all that stuff is, is like super important. Probably should be paramount, right? but not at the expense of, I guess, upholding or uplifting the manner of these individuals that I, I would challenge to learn about themselves as well. You've been listening to a Co-Education Tātai Ahorau podcast.